0: My name is Zachary Rodier, and welcome to episode 65 of 614 Check here on the Scarlet and Gray Sports Radio Podcast Network, and we have a great show for you today, and in this episode, the NCAA Women's Ice Hockey Transfer Portal has closed, and we're going to wrap up everything you need to know regarding the Ohio State Women's Hockey Team. We'll then have a quick update on the OSU Men's Hockey Team, with the portal still open there for a few more days. And then we will get to the Stanley Cup playoffs as we move on to the conference finals. Also, some big news coming in in the past few days revolving around the Arizona Coyotes in a possible relocation there after the vote for the Tempe Arizona Arena plan did not go their way. So we're going to get to everything you need to know today and then the college corner and rapid headlines. So without further ado, let's get right into this week's focus talking about the Ohio State men's and women's ice hockey teams in the NCAA transfer portal. Enjoy. All right, now let's get into this week's focus, talking about the Ohio State men's and women's ice hockey teams with the transfer portal. So basically everything with the Ohio State women's hockey team will stay the same as it is right now when we were talking about it in the past few weeks as the portal has now closed. Uh, Kiara Zanin from Penn State transferred to Ohio State, a big get there. We talked about her and that big signing a few weeks ago. Olivia Mobley was a huge signing coming to the Ohio State Buckeyes this past week. Mobley was a huge addition to this Buckeyes team. Bring another forward into the mix, and she was one of the stars for the Quinnipiac Bombcats who played against the Penn State Nittany Lions at Ohio State in the first round of the NCAA tournament. And Mobley is just such a talented forward, had great numbers at Quinnipiac, and it was actually so funny. You know, I called the Penn State Quinnipiac hockey game Never imagining that both these players will be Buckeyes this coming year. Um, uh, but being able to see them both in person, you can really see and understand that skill. Um, which I think is really, really interesting. Uh and cool to see, you know, whenever you're talking about um players and their skill. Yeah, you hear things, you see things on TV, um, but once you see it in person, uh, you can really understand the speed that they have, the skill, the vision that they have on the ice, and both Zanin and Mobley will really bring that, and I am excited to see how they transition to the Buckeye team this coming season on really put in a big national championship push for the Buckeyes. Now, also coming to Ohio State, Stephanie Markowski from Clarkson University, the two big gets. Uh, From Boston College and Kayla Barnes, the defenseman, and Hannah Bilka, the forward. We have, of course, Kelsey King from Minnesota State. And Kato coming forward from them to the Ohio State Buckeyes. All of them having one more year of eligibility. Uh, I thought Kiara Zanin maybe had an extra year and a total of two. But right now, according to GopherPuckLive.com, All of these players will only have one year left of eligibility, Uh, and this is a stacked amount of players coming in for the Ohio State Buckeyes, a total of six, and then you have the five to six freshmen that are coming in. It's going to be a lot of new faces for this Buckeyes team coming into this year, uh, with some regulars as well, um, from the past few years. So seeing that come into fruition will be really interesting. You know, chemistry is going to be really important, and I'm sure a lot of these players will get accustomed to Columbus and Ohio State this coming summer. Get to know their teammates, uh, after the you know little break that the players have um, because a lot of new faces that's going to be key but when the Buckeyes won the national championship a few years ago they had a lot of new faces Claire DeGeorge um, Reagan Kirk came in uh, but you also had Lexi Templeman Emily Curlett, and a lot of different players uh, that had different transfer experience as well in the past Um, so these players coming in it's Obviously, it's a different tale every single season, but the Buckeyes have dealt with an influx of transfers before, and they will do so this year as well. Now, some of the losses they have. Uh, Elena Gianpitro, uh who never played uh, for the Buckeyes this season, she transferred to Robert Morris University. Uh, Emerson Jarvis uh, transferring to Quinnipiac University and Sidney Moreau transferring to Colgate University. Uh, all of those are, in my opinion, were big pieces. Uh, Jean Petro came into Ohio State, didn't play this year, but had a ton of talent, and we will ne- never get to see her uh, suit up in the Scarlet Gray unless she transfers back to OSU at some point. Um, But I've heard a lot of skill around her, uh, so that can be a big loss there for the Buckeyes. Emerson Jarvis, Um, obviously didn't have the ice time this year, but when she was on the ice, always seemed to make a difference. Uh, And Sydney Moreau, the same in the defense. Uh, Nadine Muserall, the head coach of the Buckeyes, when she was on this podcast, thought that Emma Peschel and Sydney Moreau, the two defensemen, freshmen that came in last year, were the top two defensemen in that class. Of defensemen in the NCAA, so losing Moreau is a big piece as well. The two other players that enter the transfer portal, Golly Levy and Jamie Grinder, the defenseman for the Ohio State Buckeyes, according to gopherpucklive.com, they have not been claimed in the transfer portal. So, what that means for them, we will see in the future. Um. So that's basically the picture for the Ohio State Buckeyes at this moment in time. When it comes to the transfer portal, again, a lot of great pieces coming in, and we're going to continue to talk about this as we go through the summer and get ready for next year, trying to, of course, have head coach Nadine Muzzerell, um to talk about all of these transfers at some point, either this summer or closer to next season, um, because she has to be excited about Zan and Mobley Markowski, Barnes, Bilka, and King coming in, all gigantic pieces. And if you look at the NCAA transfer portal, they were at, you know, maybe some of the top six players in all the transfer portal, and the Buckeyes got all of them. Uh, so that was really surprising. That's just head coach Nadine Mazeral um doing a lot of special things in the transfer portal. Um, there were some other transfers. As well, uh, Adriana Vandeliest, uh from the WCHA and Bemidji State going to the University of Maine. Uh, and then Claire Vekic going from Bemidji to Minnesota State. Uh, and just some other players moving around as well. Uh, Taylor Larson from Bemidji to SESU. Uh, and you had Anna Wilgren. A uh, defenseman from Minnesota State going to Wisconsin. Syracuse getting some pickups as well. But Ohio State was one of the busiest teams in the transfer portal. RMU also there as well um, as things continue to push out. So let's now talk about the Ohio State men's hockey team as the women's team seems, you know, set. That's the players that are locked in for next year and have a huge amount of pieces. And for the Buckeyes, While they had an influx amount of people coming in for the women's team, it was a huge exodus leaving for the men's hockey team. And let's talk about them now. We'll start with their losses. Um, You have CJ Regula going to RPI, James Maroney transferring to St. Thomas, Jadon Leslie going to Niagara University, Travis Trelor going to the reigning NCAA national champions in Quinnipiac University. Dominic Vidoli transferring to University of Nebraska, Omaha. And then Evan McIntyre uh, went in the portal. Uh, at this point, has not been claimed. Same with Mark Chirometta. Uh Also, losses, Tyler Duke, uh, the really talented defenseman for the Buckeyes. A huge loss, probably one of the biggest losses, uh, especially because he had three years left of eligibility. Um... He is transferring from Ohio State to the University of Michigan to play with his brother. Now, the gets for Ohio State, well, they lost Jakob Doves going pro, so they needed a goaltender. They got that in Logan Turnis of the University of Connecticut. Also coming in for the Ohio State Buckeyes, Jake Dunlap of the University of New Hampshire. From the University of North Dakota, uh, defenseman Brent Johnson. Riley Hughes, a forward from Northeastern University, transferring to Ohio State, and Mason Cleave from RPI, a defenseman, coming to Ohio State as well. All the players having one year of eligibility besides Brent Johnson, who has two, and Jake Dunlap having three years left of eligibility, and Logan Turnus having two years. So... We're going to have to see uh how this turns out for the Ohio State Buckeyes, and once the portal closes in the next few days, next week's episode, we'll take a little bit of a deeper dive into the Buckeyes men's hockey team once everything is locked and ready to go. Maybe there's a little past few changes uh that we have from the Ohio State men's hockey team as they made... coaching addition today. Of course, they've lost Luke Strand going to become the head coach of the Minnesota State Mavericks. But coming in today for the Ohio State Buckeyes, Paul Kirtland will be assistant coach. He joins the staff, um, and he is a men's hockey alumni for the Buckeyes, returning to his alma mater. Kirk Cleveland skated with the Buckeyes from 2009 to 2012, spent the last two years staff at Minnesota State. Head coach Steve Rolick says we're excited to add Paul to our staff. His character, work ethic, and ability to develop players will be a huge asset to our program. Uh, So we will see how it all turns out uh, and, you know, where he goes, uh, whether he's going to be the focus offensively or defensively. My guess it possibly would probably be defense if that was Luke Strand's uh, expertise with the Buckeyes. Um, They still have um, Bittner there as well for Ohio State. So we're going to see how it all continues to shake out. All right. So let's now get into the Stanley Cup playoffs uh, and we'll return to the Ohio State men's hockey team next week closes. So... Now getting into the Stanley Cup playoffs. A lot of fun action there in the second round. And you know what? It wasn't the same as it was uh, in the first round with so many close games in action. Second round was a little slower, but still a lot of fun. Let's start with the Western Conference. The only series that went to seven games was the Dallas Stars and Seattle Kraken. Stars winning that series 4-3 to three in total. Kraken stole Game 1, 5-4 in overtime, Stars won 4 2 in Game 2. Then the Kraken had a huge victory in Game 3, 7-2 there, 6-3 for the Stars in Game 4, Game 5 for the Stars, 5-2. The Krakens remained in this series with a 6-3 win in Game 6 with a final score in Game 7, 2-1 to one for the Dallas Stars. Now, this was a series that really went back and forth, and the Seattle Kraken showing why they deserve to be in the Stanley Cup playoffs this year, they've been really impressive uh, and put up a really big fight, especially near the end, but they seemed a little flat just in game seven. And, you know, the Dallas Stars have been such a great team in this playoffs, just playing their game and their style, uh, and just, you know, being so smooth with how they have been playing. Uh and, you know, Joe Pavelski coming up huge in this series again and again, rope hints and you can't say much about Jake Ottinger except that he always continues to be clutch in the NHL Stanley Cup playoffs and he has continued to do that this year and he is going to need to continue to have great performances when it comes to the Western Conference Final and possibly even the Stanley Cup Final but Dallas Stars, they're going to have to go through the Vegas Golden Knights. As the Golden Knights defeated the Edmonton Oilers, who, when Anne was on the podcast I originally had of winning the Stanley Cup, but at last, I was wrong. But the Vegas Golden Knights winning that series in six games. Golden Knights winning the first game 6-4. Oilers second game 5-1. 5-1 in game three for the Knights. 4-1 for the Edmonton Oilers in game four and then the Golden Knights, 4-3 in Game 5, and 5-2 to two in Game 6. So very interesting stuff there as well, uh, and I just think that overall for the Vegas Golden Knights, they played their game in this series and tried to really make the Edmonton Oilers work for it and not be able to establish their game, uh, and because of the dominance from the Vegas Golden Knights and Jack Eichel continuing to have a great series and everyone really stepping in, it's been a great series for the Vegas Golden Knights, despite their goaltending, uh, Bersois going out with an injury early in the series, so Hill has had to step in, and he's played very well as Aiden Hill, uh, so, so far, he is going to need to continue to play well against a very, uh, you know, physical and offensive Dallas Stars team uh, with Robertson and Hintz and all the skills players there. And, you know, Joe Pavelski is going to be a huge danger in front of the net with that white stick continuing to do the deflections as he always does. Um, But I just think with the Golden Knights in this series uh, versus the Edmonton Oilers, Connor, David and Leon Dreisaitl can only do so much. And that tells you, yeah, we've been talking about Connor Bedard and all that, but you still need a really strong team around the star and cornerstone players as well. And that's going to be need uh, to be something that the Oilers will continue to have to fix on their quest to win the Stanley Cup in future years. So now let's move on to the Eastern Conference. Uh, So the... Florida Panthers, they had themselves a heck of a series. Uh, game 1, 4-2. Two. Game 2, 3-2 two victory. Game 3, a 3-2 three, victory in overtime at home. The Maple Leafs stopped themselves from getting swept 2-1 in Game 4 at FLA Live Arena, which I went to. It was really exciting. The fans were great, and it was packed. You know, everyone's always talking about the fan base there. Panther fans are very passionate. They sold out that building. It was full. It was loud. It was energetic, and you know, obviously they were disappointed uh, that they did not sweep the lease, but they took care of it in overtime in Game Five at Scotiabank Arena, winning three to two, uh, and. Let's just say the Florida Panthers played an unbelievable series. They didn't take their foot off the gas pedal, maybe just in game four. They looked a little flat and just a little bit disinterested in the play, Um, but I thought a loss could be really helpful for them, and it did seem to do that in game five. But it just seemed the Toronto Maple Leafs, their core four didn't show up until game four. Uh and Austin Matthews did not have a goal the entire series. That has to hurt their team. Um, but just all around for the Maple Leafs, they just let the Florida Panthers walk all over them. Uh, and that cannot happen whatsoever, especially in the second round against a physical Florida Panthers team. Matthew Kachuk continuing to, you know. He's getting points and doing a lot of things, but it's also the behind-the-scenes stuff that he's doing as well, uh, right in front of the net, that's been so crucial too. Um, and overall, the Leafs just not playing to, you know, what they have proven to do in the regular season, and obviously the regular season is different from the playoffs, but it seems like right now the Panthers are built for the playoffs. They're a team that's with the physicality, the squagger they have right now, the belief in that room, and remember John Twitterwell when the Blue Jackets swept the Tampa Bay Lightning said it's a mindset of believing and when you get on that role and you continue to push and you're upsetting team after team they're now going to have to go against a really good Carolina Hurricanes team but for the Florida Panthers you know teams are still uh and fans are still counting them out across the NHL but at the end of the day the Panthers have proved time and time again that they can still get it done. Uh, And let's talk about the Carolina Hurricanes. They also got it done in five games, beating the Devils 5-1 in Game 1, 6-1 in Game 2. The Devils then won Game 3, 8-4, but then the Canes came back in Game 4 and 5 with 6-1 and 3-2 overtime respective victories. So that was right there for the Carolina Hurricanes, a very similar series with the Panthers and Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh it just seemed Carolina established their game very early in this series and yeah, the Devils had one big game of pushback, but it just seemed the that- the Devils just allowed Carolina to play their game, and you have to give credit to the Hurricanes. They played a fantastic series as well, continuing to get offense, even though some of their big producers have been gone. They've been getting great goaltending, a lot of physicality, uh, and You know, this is going to be a very tight series between the Florida Panthers and the Carolina Hurricanes. Physicality, it's going to be a slugfest between these two teams, hit after hit, crunch after crunch on the boards. It's going to be something crazy, and I just think it's going to be a really exciting series, which I can't wait for because the Carolina Hurricanes their series so far in the playoffs have probably been some of the least exciting series, and I really hope and do think that this is going to be a much more exciting series uh, between the Panthers and the Carolina Hurricanes. I just think the Panthers bring much more to the table than as few opponents have for them and different styles of hockey uh, that closer match to the Carolina Hurricanes and how they're playing. Terra Ravainen possibly coming back for the Hurricanes, which is a huge get for them. But I think this is going to go the distance. Six or seven games. It's going to be really competitive throughout each game. Quite checking. Goaltending is going to need to be great, uh, and the Panthers do have the edge in the goaltending. Uh, Sergey Bobrovsky has been playing fantastic, and I do think right now the defense for the Florida Panthers very strong as well. The offense is where it's going to be really interesting. Matthew Kachuk is going to need to come up big, but so are some of the big key pieces for the Carolina Hurricanes as well. The offense is the question mark in where the coin flip could come more. Who can get past uh, the goaltenders for the Panthers and Hurricanes, respectively? That's the question mark and, in my opinion, the big part that's going to have to be answered in this series. When it comes to a winner, I just think right now, you know... I'm going to choose the Florida Panthers in seven games. I think, like I said, that this series will go the distance. I could easily have said the Carolina Hurricanes as well. I think this is a coin flip series. Um, but ultimately, I do think the Panthers will get it done. Just if Sergey Brodsky continues to play the way he has been playing, they're going to continue to have their success. Uh, and I... I'm interested to see how the Panthers do get their offense going, because they're going to need it for sure. Um, But we will see. Again, I think the Carolina Hurricanes can definitely win this series. But right now, just the way and the momentum that the Panthers have been going, I'm going to choose them with their goaltending. The Canes haven't really been tested uh, significantly in the playoffs so far. And um, that's where I think that the Panthers, they have been against some really good teams. Uh, And the mindset of the Hurricanes is also going to be really important. Uh, And at this point in the Eastern Conference Finals, four games away from making the Stanley Cup Final, you have to take the Panthers as one of the best teams in the NHL. Well, they're top four right now. You can't treat them like they just squeaked into the playoffs because the regular season is long gone. And I think that after the Panthers have proven themselves over the past two series, that the Hurricanes will definitely take them seriously. Back to the Western Conference, Golden Knights Stars. Um, this is going to be another interesting th- series. I'm going to go six games. I'll choose the Dallas Stars, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Golden Knights come through. I know I'm saying that for both series because I've been hot on the Golden Knights for a long time when it comes to playoff time. But I think the goaltending of Jake Ottinger, uh compared to Aiden Hill is just going to be a big boost for this Dallas Stars team in the goaltending battle. The offense is going to be huge for both teams, but the defense and the goaltending is where I think this series is going to have its difference. And right now I put that to the Dallas Stars. So the Dallas Stars not going to have home ice advantage anymore. Um, So that could play a big deal as well. It hasn't shown that much in the playoffs so far, but let me tell you, T-Mobile Arena is a tough place the plan. And so I am interested to see how both these series go out. And then we're going into the Stanley Cup finals after this. So each team needs four wins to move on. Uh and so let's just break down the schedule. Panthers Hurricanes will start when you're listening to this podcast tonight on Thursday on TNT, eight PM and then eight thirty for the Stars and Golden Knights on Friday on ESPN. And the schedule will move around Different times on the weekends, but usually on regular weekdays, it will be 8 p.m. ABC, ESPN, uh, and ESPN Plus will have the Dallas Stars Golden Night series. That will flip-flop depending on when ABC can hold the games. Uh, if it's not on ABC, it'll be on ESPN. And the Panthers and Carolina Hurricanes uh, will be on TNT for the entire series. So, can't wait to see how the playoffs turn out. Uh, it's going to be really really interesting. Um but let's continue to talk about more stuff in the NHL. The Arizona Coyotes a huge story uh with their Tempe Arizona vote and their possible Move for relocation, or they could continue to stay in Arizona. We're going to talk about that and everything else in the Rapid Headlines and College Corner. So, without further ado, this was this week's focus, and now let's get right into the College Corner and Rapid Headline. <laughs> Let's now get into the rapid headlines in College Corner here on 614 Check. And let's start with the Arizona Coyotes Arena Saga. As right now, the Arizona Coyotes on Tuesday night had a huge vote in Tempe, Arizona, where their plan to build uh, and be in Tempe, Arizona, in a future arena in an area that is currently a landfill, was up for a referendum to the citizens and residents of Tempe, Arizona, for them to vote on three different propositions. Uh, all three needed to be voted yes and pass in order for the Coyotes to be able to uh, continue being uh, in Tempe, Arizona and have that potential new arena in the future, which the team has been working on for a few years to develop this deal and negotiate with Tempe. Uh, and According to Craig Morgan of Phoenix Coyotes and Phoenix Sports, he says that the Coyotes believe that they had around a 10-point increase and difference positively in the polls. They thought they were going to win by 10 points, but they actually lost 56-44 to in some of the propositions. One of them actually went to 57% for the no party uh, that was running for this campaign. And uh, their campaign was called uh, Tempe First. Uh, so this was a really interesting campaign where the Coyotes thought they were going to win. They only put $250,000 in the campaign compared to the opposition putting 250000 million. dollars, And again, this is according to Frank Valley of the Daily Faceoff. Uh, and this put a lot of things up in the air for the Arizona Coyotes in the near future. Right now, they are at Arizona State playing an arena with 4,500 uh, people as their capacity. And that is not sustainable for an NHL team in the future. And right now, you know, what is the question with the Arizona Coyotes? Because it doesn't look like they have many options left. There's just a few. Um The Phoenix Suns, a uh, footprint arena, is where the Phoenix Suns play. And, you know, that would have to be a viable option for the Coyotes if it had to work. Uh The NHLs never seem to be really inclined to be in a building they don't own. And the Phoenix Suns own it, so would the Coyotes' current owner be forced to sell the Coyotes? It seems like that is not the case that wants to happen right now. Uh, so do the Coyotes have to relocate? So like City, Houston, um, Kansas City, all of them possibly being good destinations for relocation or possible expansions in the near future. Uh, and I think it's definitely important to throw those names out there. But I do think at this moment in time that the Coyotes are going to you know, throw everything they can to ch- try and have one last-ditch effort to stay in Arizona. Uh, this statement coming from Javier uh, Gutierrez, uh, the president and chief executive officer of the Arizona Coyotes. He said, To our pack, well, we are very disappointed. Tempe voters did not approve the proposed entertainment district. We want to thank all our loyal fans. We supported the coyotes over the years. Your loyalty is what makes our pack strong. During the 2023-24 season, the Arizona Coyotes will play at Mullet Arena. In addition, we remain committed to Arizona and have already started re-engaging with local officials and sites to solidify a new permanent home in the valley. We look forward to sharing more with you in the coming weeks. Sincerely, Avier Gutierrez. Uh so I think at this moment in time, like I said, the coyotes are gonna put everything they can to try and stay in Arizona. And the question are there still are a few possible other places, Mesa, Arizona. Um, but still um there seems like uh the coyotes could potentially get land on native land, uh, and work with tribes there to try and get that land and make a deal, but the problem that I see there is if they're going to build a new arena somewhere, that's going to take a lot of time. It took um the Arizona Coyotes around two years to get all this together for Tempe uh, and get ready for a vote, and then they would still have had to build it. And two years of development and negotiation for a city project, and then another few years to build the arena... We're talking another four to five years um, that the Coyotes could potentially be in Mullet Arena, and that doesn't really sound like something that the NHL Players Association owners and, you know, people in the league may really want in the NHL, and they may have to say at this point, it may be time to pull the plug. It's going to be interesting to see the patience with the players, the association, other owners, because they're not you know, making money being at Mullet Arena right now. So seeing how long the patience can be right now is going to be very crucial to see if this, in fact, goes to relocation. Um, But I think everyone was jumping the gun on relocation significantly because it, it seemed like, well, it has been done in the past, moving to a new city by the start of next season and saying that we've just seen the last of the Arizona Coyotes. It it seems like a little too much too quickly. I feel if you're relocating, they probably would want to do a reband, rebrand and have new jerseys and get things settled up uh, and, you know, have a facility for practice and all that. And that just seems like it would be too quick to just pull the plug and move quickly, uh, find somewhere else. Um, So we're going to see if this is going to be a saga that continues to go over the next few weeks uh and i just have to say at this moment in time it's going to be something that's going to develop very quickly uh, i'm sure the national hockey league has this as a very high priority um because players want to figure out but also you know when it comes to the draft and free agency there's a lot of people's lives in front office back office ticket office um people that work all around this team that are affected by it, and they want to know what is going on as well. A few things with the Blue Jackets. Head coaching uh, search right now, they have spoken to Pascal Vincent, who's currently a coach with the Blue Jackets. They have also had interviews with Mike Babcock and Peter Laviolette. This is according to Pierre LeBron, and of course, Elliot Friedman as well. Um, So we're going to see where that turns out. Uh, I, I think the Jackets, they're going to be in, I think, Laviolette would be a fantastic option for them. Babcock brings a lot of experience as well. Some people are worried about the young development of players, though, Um, so we'll see where that turns, and Pascal Vincent has been talked about highly in the past as well, but do the Blue Jackets want to go elsewhere Uh, when it comes to not having another coach come from in-house? We know Amanda Teeley's been invited to the 2023 USA Hockey National Goaltending Camp. Big congratulations to her there. Uh, We know Connor McDavid, David Pasternak, and Matthew Kachuk named finals for the Hart Trophy this coming year. Uh, And we also know Jordan Dumais uh, was named the QMJHL League's most valuable player uh, for this past season. We know that The Athletic and Haley Slavian uh, confirming that Swiss and NCAA hockey star Elena Mueller has signed a one-year deal with the PHF's Boston Pride. We know Keith Jones and Daniel Briere are now the president of hockey operations and general manager, respectively, of the Philadelphia Flyers. So just a few things there for the rapid headlines and college corner. So without further ado, let's head right to the outro. Hope you enjoyed episode sixty-five of six one four. Check here on the Starling Gray Sports Radio Podcast Network. Uh, as we talked about the Ohio State women's ice hockey team uh, and also the men's hockey team with the transfer portal, they got into the NHL playoffs and the Arizona Coyotes arena saga. So we're going to keep up to date on everything you need to know regarding. All of these topics, make sure you follow us on social media, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at the handle at 614Check. check spelled F-O-R-E-C-H-E-C-K. But my name's Zachary Rodier. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you next time on episode 66 of 614Check. Thank you.